Good morning, everybody. It's always let me look into the camera. Say hi to everybody watching from home. Such an honor that you would join us this morning. We pray that you will experience the same heaviness and tangibleness of the Spirit of God as we are experiencing here in person. Amen. Come on, let's say welcome to all our online viewers. Come on, let's give them a shout. Let's give them a clap. Guys, ready for the word this morning? I'm going to jump right in. Amen. Welcome to part three of our, our series called Foundations. And um, you know, if there's one thing I love about Jesus' ministry is that he never avoided difficult conversations. I don't know if you've noticed that. You know, his intention was never to make the audience feel as comfortable as much as it was transforming them. You know, so... Um, so what today we're going to have one of those discussions are you ready for it what i'm sharing today is a major issue of spiritual warfare and let me just say you know if you want to know what god is busy doing in your life or in out there look at where the devil is attacking it will give you a good indication you know and the, the battle is always the most intense where kingdom issues are focused so that's you know the devil's name means the resistor he's the one who resists ever felt some resistance in your life yes pastor every time i go and visit my mother-in-law i'm telling you there's resistance you know yes we know why because the devil's name is resistor okay, <laughs> Never mind. okay. so you know he resists god's purposes and he resists god's people and you know i as i was preparing foundations and we're talking about doctrine we're talking about the foundations of our faith and i've got a whole list of things that i really want to preach through and i didn't plan this for this morning but as i was preparing after our prayer time yesterday um you know the spirit just led me to this because i realize otherwise i'm under a spirit of intimidation and i'm not going to be that amen so we're continuing our series called Foundations, and we're going to look in the next two weeks at the doctrine of New Testament tithing. There I said it. Okay. Earth didn't open up and swallow me in. But Pastor Norman, I already know about tithing. Why must you preach on it again? I've been preaching on it so much. Right? Why do we repeat anything in Scripture? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Your parents repeated themselves, young people, your parents are repeating themselves over and over because you're not listening. Okay? That's why they do it. So, and hearing causes faith to grow. So if you're struggling in this area, it's going to cause your faith to grow. Amen. And next week, let me just say that it's going to even get better because next week, I have to do today before I can do next week. But next week, we look at some real life benefits that tithing holds for the tither. I'm going to show you some video footage, very interesting stuff that I've got, and some interesting sources outside scripture, outside the church that talks about generosity and giving. But before we start, let me say this don't switch off at home, okay? I'm going to look for another sermon. No, you're not, in Jesus' name. So, <laughs> I'm not your Holy Spirit, right? The epistle teaches us that the Word of God is for instruction, for correction, for reproof, for warning, and for edifying. So, there's this tremendous resistance to New Testament tithing, mostly from the church. It's interesting that the biggest critics of the church comes out of the church. We don't even need the world. <laughs> we resist each other. We're doing the devil's work for him. So, and the biggest argument is that there's no tithing in the New Testament for the New Testament believer. And I'm going to show you from Scripture that that's a demonic life from hell. So, rem re I remember after a message I preached one. It was many years ago. Very irate gentleman came rushing up to me after the service we were still in silver star season one and he shouted at me 
like, I feel so condemned. You didn't preach grace this morning. And here's the thing about condemnation. If you're making notes, write this down. Condemnation can only come if you reject the solution. Condemnation can only come if you reject the solution. That's deep. So people mistakenly think that when you preach grace, you are preaching soft messages. You know, like ice cream. Where everybody looks at you like you're in a toothpaste ad. Like, hi. It's amazing. <laughs> Don't you feel good? <laughs> right? That's what people think. But true grace teaches us to renounce ungodliness and sin, the book of Titus says. So there's in church history, um, the, during the 10 revivals, it is said of one um, revivalist who preached, and he preached faith righteousness. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And people started People literally started rushing forward, repenting of their sin. Because he was preaching grace. Because that's what grace will do. Once you come face to face with what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, family, you cannot help but change. Amen? But we are living in an offended society. People don't want God's solutions anymore. We want our own solutions. But... That is seriously dangerous. So let's look at our foundational scripture for this series again. We looked at it the past three weeks. We're going to keep on looking at it. Amen. Why? Because faith comes by? Amen. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So this is an important warning to you and me. First of all, Paul wasn't warning his old pals who hanged out in bars and went to Afrikaans music festivals. Like, guys, you are sinners. You really need to watch out because there's deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Hey, Just be careful. No. This warning, family, is to the church. I said it's to the church. You need to understand that the focus and the target of demonic attacks is the church. The devil isn't worried about the lost. He's already deceived them. He doesn't have to deceive the world anymore. The world is deceived. So who is he going to try and deceive? The people sitting in the service every Sunday in churches all across the world. That is his target. So I grew up, many of you know, I grew up with my dad um, being an arms dealer. <laughs> that sounds so ominous. So you better listen to me. I've got connections. No, no, no. So, so um, what his sport was shooting. So as a little kid, I would go with him reluctantly, being dragged every weekend, going to shooting ranges. How do you know you're about to enter a shooting range? So for those of you who don't know, there's some legal requirements. You can't just open up a shooting range in your house or in your yard. It needs to be a specific amount outside of a town, uh, away from, from, from uh, um, urban areas. And then, how you usually know, and you can ask any person who's in the military or in the police, because they train there every week. You go to a spot and you'll see at the entrance there's a big red flag. There's a red flag. Then you know you're about to enter a shooting range. Right? Why? Because the targets are set up there. That's the area of the target. And you are the area. You are the target. You get what I'm saying? You are the target for the enemy, the church. Not the world, you are. So he wants to bring deception to where? The church. Amen? So, um, you need to understand that the world is already lost, family. 
His main focus is to bring deception to you. That's why Peter wrote, he says, the devil is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he can't just devour anyone. He can only devour you if you allow deception into your life. How do you allow deception into your life? By being stubborn. By refusing the word of God into your heart. By sitting in a message like this, like, I don't need to hear this. Well, I'm, this is not really a problem. It's like, you know, when we talk about pride, it's amazing how many Christians are so prideful because they don't have any pride in their lives. <laughs> I'm so proud. I don't have pride. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And these days it's not difficult for him because every second guy who's got internet data and a tent is declaring himself a preacher. Now, now guys, I, I need to say this. Don't just drink from any fountain. When you listen to someone, ask yourself, first of all, is this person under apostolic authority? Is there somebody that can speak into him or her's life? Who do they relate to? What are their track record? What are their views on the local church? Pray for discernment. Right? Don't just eat from any pot. You don't know what's in there. There might be some missionary meat in there. You don't know. That's why it's called the missionary pot. Amen. Okay, so... 2 Timothy 4 verse 3. For the time will come when, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. We looked at this last week. They will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be turned aside to fables. Fables. What is fables? Stories. Right? But you be watchful in all things. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is to the church. By the way, just a sermon within a sermon for free. I won't charge you for this. Like, all of us are told, do the work of an evangelist. All of us. Do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? It means that every empty seat that we see here this morning is our responsibility to fill. Do the work of an evangelist. Telling people about Jesus. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm not really a, a, a verbal person. I'm, you know, I'm more on social media. Um, you know, I can post selfies and stuff. Do the work of an evangelist. Good news is good news. Good news wants to be shared. If you true, if I've used this illustration so many times, but if you win the lotto and I tell you don't tell anybody, there'll be signs. For sure. There'll be signs that you've won some money. You want to tell people. Money is relative. The more money, the more relatives. Amen. Everybody's going to know you. <laughs> so what are the signs, Paul says, that people don't endure sound doctrine? Well, they follow according to their own desires. He says. In other words, our focus shifts from what does God want to what do I want? What does God want versus what is comfortable for me? I, I don't want to go to that church. They don't have heaters, you know. I don't want to go to that church. It's not this or it's not that. It says they have itching ears. It's so interesting, itching ears. I've, I've, I've always wondered about, about that statement, itching ears. Well, I, I like that guy. If they preach, it makes me feel it makes me feel better. Now the gospel will do that. The gospel will certainly do that. It will lift you up. It will not tear you down. But even though here's the here's the difference. 
A word of correction will also edify you. A word of correction. Say like, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I can do better. I want to do better. Like, if you have a difficult conversation with your spouse, which you should have from time to time, holy disagreements, like, you want to change, don't you? Somebody is not convinced. <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to be better. That's the thing, it edifies. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, to stories. So now this ties up with a verse that Paul told in 1 Timothy 4. There are two things that will make people depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits, he says, and the doctrines of demons. What is the origin in both cases? The devil and his demons. Okay, so we've established that. Now the truth is, my friend, that to grow, you will have to experience some discomfort. We looked at that several weeks ago. Nobody goes to gym because it's comfortable. And if it is comfortable, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Just so that, let me help you on some, some personal training. The first time Gerd and I went to gym together, we almost separated. <laughs> because loving Norman turned into Mr. Drill Sergeant. You can do better. Come on. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> no. I was so gentle. <laughs> so good at what I do. <laughs> what do you mean you've done? You haven't puked yet. Come on. You can do better. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't go down well. I learned something about my wife that day. <laughs> so you don't grow. In areas of comfort. Even a baby that grows in a womb. When, when the time comes for birth, it is uncomfortable for both the baby and the mom. Right? I love what uh, Derek Prince says. He says, one of the gateways that you open up your life to demonic activity is believing the lie and the desire to never experience afflictions as a Christian. Family, I, I, I cannot tell you how true this is. I cannot tell you how true this is. That if you want to open up your life to demonic activity, you just start thinking, well, everything must be okay because I'm a Christian. You will become so disillusioned. You're going to become angry with God. Because family, we're in this world, we're not of this world, but we're still in this world. And in this world, you've got an enemy. And in this world, now I'm not saying, listen, go and walk around and whip yourself and, you know, mortification, like, whoosh, whoosh, I'm so bad. That's not what it's saying. It just say from time to time, expect resistance. If you go in, if you in the army, and they start shooting at you. You can't tear your tissues. Like, what is this all about? Why doesn't anybody like me? Sergeant, they're shooting at me. Guys, look at this. This is injustice. Why? Why are they shooting at me? Because you're in the army. Because you're in war. Amen. You, 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 you can't. You, it's wrong to believe that you'll be in this world and not have attacks on your life. But we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. The victory is secure for us. So I'm just going to say it again in so much love as I can. Just man up a bit. Amen. Yes, diving is going to be difficult. It's going to be sacrificial at times. Yesterday at prayer, I said to the guys, I've seen over the years, over the years, if you follow some churches and men of God, and you see over the years, and I've seen this in this church, how people start growing financially, how they start growing in stature, 
how their businesses are expanding to such an extent. You're not going to see it overnight. Like, men has got, we've got a problem, Sipu. You know we've got a problem. And every man in here, if he's honest with himself, he will admit to this. You go to the gym once, tonight in front of the mirror. Come on. Flex. Look at this horseshoe, bro. On my tricep. There's nothing. Your wife will look like, what are you looking at? You imbecile. All I see is jelly. You know? Jelly belly. But in that dude's mind he's flexing he's swole because he went to gym once he wants to we want to see immediate results right ladies don't judge us it's the way god created us small brains remember male small brain it's just like okay but we want to see immediate results and that's why they don't stay in gym because a true guy will do, a true trainer will tell you, calm down, <laughs> leave the mirror alone for a while, and just keep coming back. And then, over several years, you will start to see the difference because it's a lifestyle. It's not instant pudding, it's a lifestyle. Certain things take time to prepare. Amen. What is sound doctrine? Sound doctrine is the word of God and the teaching of the apostles. Now if you go to the owner's manual of your car, you're going to see in any owner's manual that there's certain exclamation marks. Those are usually warnings. Right? Now men don't read they don't read any manual. Right? We want to figure it out ourselves. <laughs> and then after you start crying and weeping, lying in a fetal position, sucking your thumb, your wife goes to the manual like, <clears throat> page four. I think that's what you're looking for. Oh, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> Like, just read the owner's manual. But there will be certain warnings, right? Like, if you drive a petrol vehicle, don't put diesel in there. <laughs> like, this will only run on petrol. Now, you can go like, oh, you know what? What do they know? Yeah, my old buddy, old Flores Labaskagni, he's a mechanic and he told me over a couple of beers that, uh, no, they just put those warning lights in there to make more money out. Huh? Yeah, but try and put diesel in your petrol vehicle. <laughs> it's not going to work. The same way people think that the Bible doesn't really mean what it says. We can chop and change it the way we want, what's comfortable for us. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. That people will come to me and you will come to them with a scriptural truth. No, but pastor, does it really mean that? What do you turn into a theologian all of a sudden? Turned into an expert all of a sudden. Don't change scripture to, to fit your, your views. Because the Bible calls a spade a spade, not an agricultural implement, <laughs> you know? A spade is a spade. So let's look at, let's unpack. And just this morning, three things I just quickly want to share with you about New Testament tithing. Number one, New Testament tithing starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. And, and tithing was never meant to take away from you. It's actually God's way to bless you. Amen? So if, say for instance, you want to travel overseas. And somebody sponsoring you, we always have to like hype this up. You know, somebody's sponsoring you a European holiday of three months, all paid. <laughs> Like, <laughs> we're in Europe. 
Well, that depends on how you behave and receive this message. I mean, okay. Uzbekistan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. So you are receiving a European holiday of three months, all expenses paid. But I'm telling you, listen, here's this card. This card has got no limit on it. Whatever you want, you can have. You can, you can buy it with this card. You're not going to take your Capitec card out like, don't worry, I've got it sorted. No. No, you're not. You're going to use the card. You are an ambassador of Christ. You representing God's kingdom here on this earth. And God is saying to you, like, listen, if you want to prosper this side of heaven here on earth, I've got a way for you to do it. You just have to trust me. Do it my way. He's not asking you for 90%, which he could have. He's not asking you for 100%. He's saying 10% belongs to my kingdom. Just make sure it's channeled back to my house. And I will take care of you. And I'm amazed if, if people come to you and say, this card works. If you swipe it one time, oh, it actually works. As the days go on, you're not going to doubt the person who gave you that card. But we doubt God. We think, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the way I read it in the financial times. I'm going to do it the way my, my and, and with all due respect, but you know, my financial planner and he and my broker told me, why do you take their word over God's word? I sat with, with, with a financial advisor once. He looked at our budget like, why do you give 10% away? It's because it belongs to God. No, that's too much. Like, you fired. Thank you. No, I, I won't take his word. I won't take the word of a thief. Because if you don't, if you, you rob God, if you don't tithe. The Bible says you're a thief. So why would I take the word of a thief? I'm not going to go to my uncle who's been in jail 14 times for fraud. I mean, my uncle said. <laughs> no. No, no, it starts with Jesus. God wants, wants His people to walk in blessing. You need to know that God wants you to walk in blessing. He doesn't want you to suffer through every month. He wants you to walk in blessing. How do I know that? Because tithing starts with Jesus. And whenever Jesus is the focus, here's the thing that's going to happen. Heaven is going to open up. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? It is the second time in all of Scripture we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit manifest at the same place at the same time. And heaven opened up and he says, this is my beloved son. Believe him. <laughs> Believe him. Amen. So whenever Jesus is at the center, heaven opens up. And if you want an open heaven, open your finances, over your finances, put Jesus at the center. Put Jesus first. Family, the world's economy is going to collapse. I'm telling you now. It's a house of cards. It's going to collapse. And if the church is going to really prosper during this time and see God's glory risen upon His people, we're going to have to follow God's way. Next week, I'm going to, um, I'm going to show you some video footage of, um, uh, of a businessman in the States years ago. Um, I'll tell you more about it. But just the experiment that they've done. A bunch of business, Henry Ford, Oppenheimer, all those guys. I'm going to show you something that's going to really blow your mind. Okay? But put Jesus at the center. Put Jesus first. If you want an open heaven over your business, make Jesus the priority. Make Jesus the priority. Say, Lord, I will do this in integrity. I will be a person of my word. I will stick to what you've called me to do. If you are tired of struggling financially, stop going to conferences and put Jesus at the center. 
Stop searching on YouTube for stuff that will make you feel better. Put Jesus at the center. If you want to dethrone mammon in your life, if you've got an issue, like, Pastor, I can't stop buying stuff. I must spend money the whole time. I'm like, and I'm thinking about money. And that means that mammon has got a grip on you. Start with the tithe. Start giving. Hebrews 7 verse 18 says, For on one hand there is the annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. Say better hope. Through which we draw near to God. Now, if you've ever received a letter or, or a document with big implications for you, Say, for instance, it was an employment contract or a letter of a loved one or an offer to purchase. Usually, there's sections of that letter that you go back to, that document that you go back to and study carefully, right? Because it's, it's got big implications. If you've got an um, employment letter, the first thing, where do you go? Like, how much are they going to pay me? How many holiday days? Okay, there we go. Like, you're going to go back and study it. Right? These two verses that we just read changed the plot for the New Testament believer in a massive way. It says that the former commandment, what's that? The law. The Old Testament was, number one, weak. Secondly, unprofitable. Did you guys see that? That's what the writer of Hebrews wrote. Because the law made nothing perfect. The keeping of the law cannot make you perfect. Now, interesting, we're talking about doctrines. This is the doctrine of faith righteousness. So we're doing two in one. Say thank you, Pastor. Like, nice package. We upsize the meal. Amen. So, you're hungry yet? It's called the doctrine. Nobody's laughing. So that, that means they're hungry. Pastor, we passed hungry. We're angry. <laughs> the doctrine of faith righteousness. We cannot separate these two. So keeping rules and regulations cannot improve your standing before God. Why? Why would God bring in such a massive change to the covenant? Well, he says in verse 22 of Hebrews 7. Let's go to Hebrews 7, 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a what? Surety of a better covenant. So the new covenant is called a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. So they couldn't live. They couldn't, it couldn't continue. But he, because, oh, come on. He continues forever. Who's that? Jesus. Has an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus became the surety of a better covenant. So under the old covenant, our surety, if say for instance we were Jews and we were under the old covenant. And here comes Pastor Norman. I'm the high priest. And as I go, you go. So if I had issues... <laughs> You were going to have issues. If I was unfaithful before God, you were going to get punished. Things were going to go difficult. We're seeing it in our country, aren't we? Because there's a leadership void. Our country is suffering. We are suffering. We are paying more for stuff that we, than we should. We are being overtaxed. There are so many things wrong Happening in this nation. Why? Because of the leadership. And in the same way, our, our surety was the high priest who was human and fallible. So as the priest went, so went the people. But under the new covenant, it comes and says, Jesus is our surety. Come on, somebody. Amen. Will Jesus ever fail? No. Will Jesus ever go back on his word? 
Will Jesus ever drop us and change his mind about us? No, he already died for you. Never. So verse 24 says, he is an unchangeable priesthood. I'm just laying a foundation here. Isn't this good? You have right standing before God because of Jesus. You are good before God because of Jesus. And he's your high priest now. Look at your neighbor and say, smack them and say, Jesus is my high priest. How about you? Amen. <laughs> no, don't really smack them. Okay. I'm going to break out a fight. Pastor, we're in Krugerstorp West. If anybody lays hands on me. <laughs> okay. Because Jesus is in good standing with God, you are in good standing with God. That's why people argue, well, pastor, you just made my argument for me, you know. That's why there's no tithe under grace, you know. Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Woo. But here's the thing. It's very interesting to me that this passage <laughs> that contains this plot changing foundation to the new testament that introduces this doctrine of faith right it's not really introduced but it's to the hebrews and it shows us that jesus is our high priest and surety this chapter starts with the tithe <laughs> god is not confused let's quickly read it Hebrews 7 verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a what? A tenth part of all. Of what? Did that include his bonus? Did that include the house that he sold and he got some money out? Everything. Yes. When he sold his broken car and still got money okay no never can let boss you can stop now we get the point we get the point okay just making sure okay he gave a tenth of all a tenth part of all first being translated king of righteousness this is melchizedek now and then also king of salem meaning king of peace right Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor, nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So who did he just describe there? Jesus. Melchizedek was Jesus incarnate. Amen. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch, Abraham, who's the father of our faith that we say several weeks ago? Abraham, right? Gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people, according to the law that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he's whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Verse 8 says, here, where is here? Here on earth. Mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Watch verse 9. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. It gets very technical. But it's actually so clear. It starts out with Abraham giving a tithe of his spoils to Melchizedek. Abraham had a covenant of faith with God before the law. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all tithed before the law was introduced. 
So I want to close off today by focusing on one verse. And it brings us to our second point. Jesus receives the tithe. Verse 8 says, Here mortal men receive tithes. Like all our ushers are mortal. I know you think they're immortal because they do such amazing work and everything is ready when you get to church. And they're superheroes. Like one of them even went into a cage and was freed back here this morning. <laughs> okay. But they're actually mortal. Okay. So he says, but there he receives them of who it is witness that, he's lived, that he lives. If we read this whole chapter in context, one major truth stands out for me. We are giving our tithes to our surety, who is Jesus. We are giving our tithes to our high priest, Jesus. Now, family, that's called worship. Amen? Because does he deserve it or not? Of course. Amen. On earth, mortal men receive tithe. That's the physical act. Say physical act. Of giving your tithe to the institution called the local church. Now, <laughs> yes, people get funny. Well, Pastor, you know, I give money to the car guard. That's all part of my tithe. Uh, you know, Pastor, um, when, I, when I give to charity and Greenpeace, that's my tithe. No, it's not because your tithe belongs to the local church. That's the instruction in Malachi. Bring it to the storehouse. Where is the storehouse? Where you receive the word of God. Where you're being fed the word of God. Amen. Please, because that's just, man, we've all been there. Small boys in school making excuses. Stop making excuses. You cannot trick God. You cannot play that game with God. He sees you inside out. He knows. He knows. You're not counting out a tenth of your salary, putting it in five rand coins, putting it, you know, in that little ashtray in your car. Like, this is for the car gods because it's my tithe. No, man. Stop fooling around. Stop kidding yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Amen? No, no, but I pay, you know, I pay the gardener. That's his salary. That's not your tithe. Stop fooling around. Stop lying. Be honest with yourself. Amen. This is a holy act before God. Amen. So that's, that's the physical act of giving your tithe into the institution of the local church. And please, your local church. Now, now I'm preaching to the choir. You planted in a local church. Not... Kenneth Copeland or those guys. And honestly, they will tell you, your tithe belongs to the local church. Because Brother Kenneth is not going to get on his jet plane and come and do your funeral or visit you in hospital. With all due respect, I love them. I love them. Amen? Or the other bearded fellow with the nice hair. Or the guy with just a nice hair without the beard. We all know who I'm talking about. This is my Bible. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Your local church. Because that's God's system. That's how the local church thrives. That's why I love our pastor, Pastor Joseph Prince. Every program he'll tell you. Your tithe belongs to your local church. Amen. If you want to give offerings, give offerings. That's fine. Okay. So that means the physical act of receiving it. We have team members. They count it. And it all gets allocated to the running budget. That makes the church operate. We've explained that. But the verse continues. He says, but there he receives them. What's he talking about? This is telling me that your tithe is more than a spiritual act, as a physical act, it's a spiritual act. Because Jesus receives it. Say spiritual. 
Now, this is not children's church. We have some children here. It's going to get awkward now. Um, the marriage act is not just a physical act. Sex is not just physical. How many of you understand that? It is spiritual. It is spiritual. Let me say this. Now I'm going to go on a tangent. Let me say this. Virginity is not something you lose at a matric farewell or something. It is spiritual. It is covenant. It is holy. You cannot sleep with somebody and think it's not going to have an effect on your spiritual side. Get what I'm saying? It is holy. Say holy. It is holy. God created you spirit, soul, and body. When it comes to, when it comes to sex, it is holy. It is not just a biological switch that you can flip. We're not animals. Amen. God created us holy like that. That's why the only thing strong enough to contain sex, because sex is so strong, it is such a strong act that the only thing that contains the power of sex is the covenant of marriage. It's the only thing strong enough to contain it. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? <laughs> now, I'm really off topic here, but this will, help, this will help you understand. If you sleep with somebody, like how did we get from diving to sex? What's this dude all about to this morning? Keeping you on your toes. You didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> no, no, I got you. This is actually a marriage seminar. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> but if you, if you are in a sexual relationship with someone, how much emotion is involved? Think about it. Right? The biggest hurt you will experience is through that. You're not going to be as hurt breaking up with someone if you've never slept with them as than when you slept with them. Isn't that true? Why is that? Because the act of sex is not just physical, it's spiritual. I'm saying to you that the tithe is not just physical, it's spiritual. And the only thing strong enough to contain that is the local church. Amen? That's why we call it the bride of Christ. It's an act of intimacy before God. It's an act of trust. Now, the, here's the thing. The first sign that there's trouble in a marriage will manifest in a marriage bed. I spoke to somebody this week who's went through a divorce. And he, and he explained the whole situation to me. And he said, but there was no intimacy between us for a long time. That should be your first red light. And here, to every man, to every married man and woman in this church, here's your homework. Go home and make love to your spouse. Amen? And thank you, Jesus. I love this church. Hallelujah. <laughs> love this church, bro. Amen. If your partner is unsaved, go home, make hot, passionate love to them. And say, well, my pastor at church said that we should do this. I promise you they'll come to church next week. I'm going to give me some of this church. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The same way, if you want to know if, so, if there's something wrong in your spiritual life, look at your giving. Look at your tithe. Don't tell me you're okay with God, but you cannot tithe. Where's the intimacy? Where's the trust? Because trust manifests in the marriage bed. In the same way, trust in your faith life manifests in your giving. Don't tell me you trust God, but you can't trust Him with 10% of your income. <laughs> I trust God with my life. I'll die for God. Will you live for Him? Will you give? 
Amen. Now Paul said, I don't give a full tithe. <laughs> you don't trust him fully. It's just honest truth. Amen. It's getting very quiet. And I haven't even gotten to point three. So far. Bro, it's going to get interesting. Start the car, open up the door. I'll run out once I'm done. <laughs> we have reduced the tithe to a mere carnal thing. I don't know what they're doing with my money in that church. They're forcing people to tithe. I want to know what they do with my money. It's not your money. If I go to Donovan and I say, Donovan, here's money for you. And I've given it to him and I phone him tomorrow. It's like, bro, that money I gave you, huh? Just can I, can I get a thousand rand back? Did I give it to him? No, I didn't. Because I want it back. The moment, the moment I pay you or I give you something, that's not mine anymore. So don't come and say, well, I want to know what they've done with my money. It's not your money anymore. Once you've given it, you've entrusted it. Because why is that so important? Because now you think you've bought a service from the church. <laughs> I've tied, I had a guy come to me one day. I've tied in, in Rayma Church for many years. Uh, uh, Pastor Ray never came once and spoken to me. Well, did you give it as an act of worship to God? Or did you actually want something from the pastor? I had a guy years ago, once again, Silver Star Season 1, who came and every now and again after a service, he'll come to me after the service and he'll give me what we'll call an anointed handshake. There was money in his palm. Pastor, I just want to sow into that word in Jesus' name. My hand was very slippery, like, thank you. I'll go and count it afterwards then. <laughs> but after a while, I realized that he wanted something. That when he phones, I better pick up. That I need to drop everything and be there. I'm sorry, I'm not your prostitute. I'm not your spiritual prostitute. I'm not a Sengoma. You can't buy my services. Amen. There's no money back guarantee. <laughs> no. It's not how it works. The tithe is holy before God. Jesus receives the tithe. Not us. Not me. Not Pastor Gerda. Do we live of it? Those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Of course. That's God's command. Amen? But, you get what I'm saying? It is Jesus who receives your tithe as an act of worship. And here's the difference between Jesus and me. Jesus can see your heart. I cannot. You might have alternative motives. I'll be clueless. I wouldn't know. I believe the best of you. Say thank you, Pastor. It's a pleasure. Okay? But I, can, I, I don't know your heart. I don't know the attitude with which you give. But Jesus is the actual one who receives your tithe because the tithe is an act of worship. And here's my last point. I'm closing with this, I promise. The tithe speaks. The tithe speaks. It's got a voice. Because this verse continues further. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So here's the thing. What does your tithe say? This is too little. You should have added more. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. What's funnier than what we laughed at? You're just saying, okay. Pastor, really, you've been going on too long. We're tired. We're hungry. Okay. Our tithe, he says, is a testimony that Jesus is alive. Our tithe is a witness that Jesus lives. Our tithe is part of our witness and our testimony that we serve a living God. Those who argue that there's no tithing under grace is greatly deceived. Because in this, it is the same as argues, arguing that there's no evangelism in the New Testament. We can't say that. We just read it earlier. I want to say you, to you that tithing and evangelism goes hand in hand. Many people are saying, well, I cannot witness to people. I cannot share my faith. 
Well, I've got good news for you this morning. Your tithe speaks. It speaks of what you believe in your heart. Can you see why the devil will do everything in his power through deception and his doctrine to stop the testimony that Jesus lives? If our tithe speaks that are... Can I just say something? And I I know I'm making a generalization here, but I think on the whole it can stand. That's why you see mega churches grow. That's why you see them grow. Because there's budget to do what needs to be done. Amen? There's budget for them to do. That's why they keep on growing, keep on adding. Because, family, our tithe speaks. It testifies that Jesus is alive. And if you are anti mega church you're also greatly deceived because tell me what the church was in the book of acts when three thousand were added to the church in one day but pastor they met in homes and stuff no there's excavations that proves that the church in corinth must have been twenty thousand plus people because they came together and there was budget to do what needs to be done Because the devil knows if he attacks the tithe, he attacks the witness that Jesus lives. Amen. If he attacks the tithe, he attacks the voice of the church. You want to starve something? Cut off its food supply. If Satan can get you to stop tithing, he can stop you from being a blessing to your future generations. Verse 9 says, Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him, meaning that he was blessed through the tithe of Abraham. Your tithe blesses your future generations. You know, you know that your sons and your daughters will have a better life because you tithe. Because the blessing now comes on them. The blessing comes on them. Come on, somebody. Does this help somebody this morning? Amen? Let's close our eyes. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the tithe testifies that you are alive. Lord, I pray for everyone watching at home, I pray for everyone sitting here struggling with this. Lord, I know it's an issue of trust. And right now, I want to come and I want to pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone hearing this. Lord Jesus, increase our faith to trust you with our financial future. Speak to every heart represented here. Speak to everyone, Lord, who finds this a difficult word. Because, Lord, at the end of the day, it's an issue of faith and trust. Nothing more. I pray for everyone who's in financial difficulty, whose life is ruled by numbers. Lord Jesus, that they will step out and trust you in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this word will not be used by the enemy to bring about condemnation and guilt. But Lord Jesus, that rather it will increase our faith. In your precious name I pray. Now maybe you are here and maybe you say to me, Pastor, I'm watching this from home. I'm sitting here, but you know what? You talk about tithe. I'm not even there. I just want to know. I just want to know if I should die, if I'm going to heaven or hell. I just want to make right with Jesus. My friend, if that is you this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, will you give me the privilege and honor of just praying for you? 
Like, really? Is it as simple as that, Pastor? It's as simple as that. Invite Him into your life, and you can be assured of salvation. You can be assured that Jesus will hear you and receive you because He's standing He's standing at the door of your heart and He's knocking. And He says, whoever opens for me, I will come in and have fellowship with Him. And you can have fellowship with Jesus the rest of your days, knowing that you have assurance of salvation. If that is you this morning and you say, Pastor, that is me, please, will you include me in that prayer? It will be my privilege and honor. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Today, I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I receive the free gifts of grace and righteousness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that I can call you Father in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, everybody. I promise you it's going to get better. Don't stay away next week because you know what I'm talking about. I'm trusting you guys now. Nobody's saying anything. <laughs> you will see the looks, bro. <laughs> Did this help you guys? Amen. Does this help you guys? I, tr- I, truly, I truly pray that it will drop from our head to our hearts. Amen. And next week you'll see, it's not that you're buying God's favor. You've already got God's favor. Amen. So we're not going to say anything. I'm not going to ask um, uh, Brother Gareth just to come and share quickly. We're just going to take up the offering. I think I've said enough. I went over my time. Thank you for your patience. Like Pastor, this is the second week in a row that you've done that. I'll make it up to you. I promise. I mean, like this one service thing was a trick, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, it was. Got you good. Thank you, Ashes. Thank you. There's many ways you can give. We've got some machines in the back. Uh, Snapscan. For those of you watching from home, hey, I do want to encourage you to please, if you planted in this church, it's just too cold and all that kind of stuff, please don't stop giving because you're sitting at home. There's many ways you can give. You can do EFTs. There's Snapscan. You can go onto our website. You can go onto our social media pages. There's many ways for you to give. Amen. Awesome. 2 Corinthians 9 says that he who was so rich became poor that through his poverty you might become rich. That's so interesting. When did Jesus become poor? On the cross. He was naked. He was broken. He hung between two thieves. He was naked so that you All your children will never have to go naked. He was hungry so that you and your children never have to suffer hunger. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread, the writer of Proverbs says. He wore a crown of thorns so that you never have to be tormented. Look at those holes in this cracker. So there never have to be holes in your mind. You have to suffer with those fawny thoughts, those fears, those anxieties. He hung between two thieves so that the enemy can never steal from you again. And if he's stolen, he has to repay. That's what it means that Jesus was so rich, but for your sake he became poor. The Son of God The Son of God who lost everything to give you everything. Isn't that beautiful, church? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. That it ministers healing and wholeness to everyone. Will you say with me, I believe it, I receive it. Let's partake of the bread. same night he took the cup and he says in this is the new covenant ratified in this is every blessing that's dispensed
came through the blood. This blood makes you uncursable. It sets you free. This blood speaks of your redemption. And it's this blood that qualified Jesus to be your surety. It's this blood that makes him your Passover lamb. It says that curse can pass over your life because of this blood. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. When you say with me, I believe it, I receive it. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood. You guys blessed? We close the service for us. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we go into this coming week, we go with a confident expectation of good. Lord, in this week, may we through our obedience testify that Jesus is alive. Lord Jesus, in this week, I pray that we will have supernatural faith to trust you. Lord, in this coming week, I pray for your divine protection. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us and our loved ones safe. Keep us safe from harm, accidents, diseases, viruses, mutated viruses. And Lord, I thank you that each and every one will experience you as their provider in this coming week. If you believe it, say amen, somebody. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for your patience. Please join us for some coffee and tea. See you guys next week. Bless you.